you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch is probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our tubes to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm back here with someone who has been on the show before, but it's been a really long time. I think it's been like at least five or six years now since you were formally on the podcast, but we've done a few things kind of over the years between our two projects. But um, before we get into any of that, I think the best way to start this off is if you want to introduce yourself and just give a bit of background about what it is you do with the music community here. For sure. My name is Riley Saunders. I'm the owner, a co-owner of The Village Idiots. Created this show called Live at the Roslyn. Uh, now I have a new show called The Spare Room, and I'm the booking manager uh, and the marketing manager at Osborne Tapo. So I put on a lot of events every week. Right on. And I think that the thing I've always liked about the Village Idiots, and we can get into kind of maybe the history of what, what's happened over the past few years, but um, is that you've been sort of... Uh, a DIY sort of force for promoting local music. And it definitely seems like the same kind of uh, goals that I had with this podcast in just sort of getting the word out about really cool local bands and, and, and what's happening in the community. And it's, it's been really awesome to see sort of um, the progression of, of the Village Idiots from just this thing you guys were filming on cell phones to this really high production value um, project sort of by the end of the Roslyn era. So I think that most people listening would be familiar with that sort of period of time where you were doing these these, these big full band live performances and interviews in your place where you lived in Osborne Village. So what has happened since then? Because like you said, you have a new show and it seems like it's a new thing that's sort of a uh, come up after a while of, of silence from the village idiots sort of uh name right yeah totally and and pretty much what happened is that uh in march 2020 when you know the world ended we were in the middle of season four live at the Roslyn, and then we abruptly had to cancel the last six episodes right over the course of the next while kevin and i kevin the other co-owner of the village idiots we planned season five alive at the Roslyn. and like everyone knows it was never ending lockdown so we kept planning it november January, you know, February, like we kept pushing off start times and plans till eventually we actually moved out of the Roslyn. Kevin was already out. It was just me left with a few roommates. And then we moved out. And so June 2021 came and we moved out of the Roslyn. I moved into a condo here still in Osborne Village. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a thing of the past. And so here I am now. Uh, I have a spare room in my condo that just wasn't really being utilized in any way. And even in the Roslyn, in the last like year that we were there, we changed our focus. We were like, hey, we can't have bands in our living room to film for Facebook Live, even though everyone in the world is doing these virtual concerts. Yeah. But we realized we can't have bands because we're advertising to the world that we're breaking COVID rules. <laughs> so we literally were like, okay, so you see behind me here, these lights and these curtains, we turned the whole Roslyn living room into a film studio 
And the idea was I was just going to film acoustic artists yeah. and just create a new series just so I could do something and create something during COVID. And then lockdowns were so strict. It literally got to a point where it was like you can't even walk outside with people not in your household. And quite frankly, when you're creating in the event business and the music business and your creativity just gets completely taken out, all the, you know, the wind out of your sails, like creating something and planning it and writing it all out and then having it canceled and then canceled and canceled and pushed off. It got to a point where I was just like, I have no desire to plan anything else. As long as there's a pandemic, I just like, I changed my attitudes towards things and I just focused inward. Yeah. I started looking at, I, I started, you know, going for long walks every day, reading a lot of books. And for me personally, I learned how to work a camera and I learned how to edit. So before I was always the person in front of the camera. Yeah. You, you, but you were the I always loved. Yeah. And like I set it all up and I created it. And I, but I loved having Joey Senf and Mike Osakoya and Kevin Retz. They're the videographers. And they'd be like, you guys do your thing and I'll do my thing. I like a team. I like having a team, yeah. you know, but fast forward to right now, I'm doing this all on my own and it's a big challenge. I took everything that I've learned and I, I filmed and edited a lot during COVID. So Kevin and I were filming the village idiots were really busy. We actually, our business only went up because everyone was all of a sudden doing virtual concerts for sure. Yeah. Before we were the only ones doing virtual concerts. So it was really fun and it was a cool aspect of it, but, I was like not in front of the camera. So I needed to learn how to work the camera and I just dove right in. And then I had some that people didn't want to do live streams. They wanted to record it and edit it. And editing is really expensive and time consuming. What's well, a whole and other, I a just whole other skill set too, right? You have to, to I just dove right in. Yeah. I just literally looked at it and I just said, you know what? YouTube and the internet can teach me how to do it. Kevin Retz was really helpful from Blue Moon Media, part of the Village Idiots team. He was my roommate, and he kind of would help me out a little bit. And uh, the first gig or two, I had him really, like, right there kind of as the main guy, and I just helped out. And then I just took the ball and ran with it. And so the spare room is something I created. I just converted my second um, room in my condo into literally just this little mini film studio you see. And the same idea that I had in the Roslyn, I just said, you know what? I want to get the creative juices flowing again. I want to just start creating and having fun with artists. And that's really what's happening is I just created a new series. I'm filming a shitload of artists and we're going to have a lot of fun. And, uh, and I just kind of like wanted everything to grow organically and just come from the process itself. Yeah. Which Police Radio has had like, what is it, 900 episodes by now? No, so it's a, I'm a little high bit 700s, behind you, High 700s, we're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> 700, that's yeah. it? Yeah. So uh, you know what, the way I look at it is uh, I've filmed about 25 or 30 of these and I have many to go. So I guess I have 700 to go to catch up to you. <laughs> well, As I was... you know, Sam, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say that like, you know, the way you just said about filming a shitload of these things is it's startling to see how many you were doing. Like I was following your social media and I saw that you were launching this thing and it was exciting to see all these artists you were talking to. And then it seemed like every day there was a new one. And, and <laughs> you must have this incredible backlog now at this point, like for launching this thing of content that just is ready to come out. Yeah. So I have, I think I filmed, I, I lose track, but I think I filmed about 26 next week alone. I have seven this nice. week. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm not filming as many cause I have festival de voyageur and I'm just like, I have like a buddy in from California and, uh, but I'm feeling it. I'm fully obsessed with it. I'm immersing myself 100% mind, body, and soul in this series. And 
like you know, once you start, you just like you're like you can't stop. Okay, well now I need to film this artist, and now I need to do this artist, and this artist, and this artist, and it's so fun. Yeah, like the cre- creating these videos is not working anyway. And by the way, I'm not being paid for it. It's all being done out of love. It's all being done because what else am I doing with my time? I I would have nothing better to do than to be right here in this room filming these artists. This is the greatest thing that I could possibly do in my life at this moment. And it's easy. It's intrinsic value. It's not extrinsic. And when you put money into the equation, it changes art entirely. And I truly believe that. Yeah, because you're focused on on something different. You're not focused on the, the creative side of things. You have all these other interests you have to fulfill first, and that that can affect for sure, for sure. Um, totally. I was going to ask you though. Like, I mean, I, I guess one of the benefits of you doing this is that even though there's been a hiatus, the Village Idiots has had and has a very strong following. I mean, you know, when you were kind of by by the time the pandemic rolled around, you were getting huge numbers on some of those those live streams you were doing, and that has to help with this in that you just have all these people who are following your social media or know the name or know what it was that you did sort of before this was launched. And I imagine that's uh, kind of a good way to start having this this pre-existing fan base that has an idea at least of what you're up to and what kind of things you do with the local scene and are willing to sort of give this new thing a shot. Yeah, and there's no doubt about that. Um, one thing, though, is that we hadn't posted a video. I looked on YouTube and we hadn't posted a video for 808 days. <laughs> Uh, we, we never did any, like almost no live streams yeah. of our own. We were doing everyone else's during COVID. Um, we were, we did so much work that did not have our, us up front of it. So our social media became a little dry. Like it was like the algorithms don't like that if you're not that active. Right. For sure. So all of a sudden we were going from posting daily to, like I said, I wasn't even promoting anything. I was just like, COVID was just like, ah. I don't, I don't even want to promote stuff. I wasn't, I wasn't active on social media really at, at all. And I wasn't that inspired. So to answer your question, yes, for sure. People know the name, the village idiots, people get to know me and uh, it helps a lot, but really what I'm doing right now is just trying to get the engine running again of the village idiots. There's no doubt that this is not replacing live at the Roslyn. Yeah. I have all the expectations in the world that we're going to have our whole village idiots team is going to be coming back together to start filming bands again. Because I look at some of these young up and coming bands, there's so many great ones out there and nothing is like that. Like the, the, you know, the, the thrill I get from putting the team together and filming full bands and our, our quality of, uh, of equipment, Kevin and I invested all the money we made during the pandemic on new cameras and new lenses. We spent tens of thousands of dollars, and we never got to do any of that stuff with Live at the Roslyn. We were using really lower-end quality um, cameras and lenses. So I, I'm really so stoked to see the production value that we can get. But the spare room is just something. It's a passion project. Yeah. I have no expectations. I don't need thousands of views in any way. I'm not doing it for me. I, I am doing it for me, for sure, because I, I love the process. I love doing it. I love the test and the challenge. But... I think they're timeless videos that I really look at them and I say, I want these musicians to love these videos. I want these musicians to have these videos to show the world a little insight into who they are, their minds and their personalities, as well as have them sing their songs. Yeah. And I have a lot of inexperienced artists coming in here, as well as the Curtis Newtons of the world that are experienced. And those artists also need high quality footage of their of their songs to, sure. to show to 
to uh, booking managers and to festivals and stuff like that. So I think it's uh, it's a mixture of a lot of things. But the Village Idiots is is a great platform um, to to start putting stuff out or to to put stuff out on. And really, it's just getting that engine running again. Yeah. Do you think that once uh, you know everyone's together again, you're you're doing full bands? Do you think that the spare room will continue? Like, do you, do you think that you'll still be doing these kind of one on one, you know, solo artist uh, type projects? I I would imagine yes, because I believe that this series. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna be like this is the end of season one, and then here's season two, kind of like your show. It's just like. It never just ends. keep yeah. releasing them, keep yeah. creating them. Like, if there's an artist that I love, I love the idea that I could just be like, hey, do you want to come to my place and film two videos, like, tomorrow? Yeah. The flexibility that I have, everything is set up here. I got all the cameras set up, the lights are set up, the curtains set up. The artists need to show up, and I'm done. They're in and out of this place within 35 minutes, so... I love the flexibility. I love the show. Yeah. What a lot of people don't realize, the first episode just came out, but I watch these. That When I film something and create something, I watch it 30 to 50 times. And I, I obsess over it. And I watch it as a fan. I create things, and then I watch it as a fan. And as a fan, I sit there watching these shows. They're only 10 to 15 minutes long. They're easy to watch. So easy. They're not long. But they're, they're great. Like I, I enjoy them. So I think, I think the fans are going to enjoy them, too. What is the uh, one thing I always wondered about the Village Idiots? Uh, you know, the, the larger scale uh, Live at the Roslyn stuff. What was the process for um, choosing the artists, and how does that differ from what you're doing now? I mean, I know obviously band versus individual person, but does this give you more sort of uh, freedom to pick people who maybe wouldn't have necessarily been? I don't want to say the right uh, artist for a Live at the Roslyn, but you know, you can get like you said uh, some up and coming people who maybe don't have that following yet. Uh, whereas Live at the Roslyn was definitely focused on some of the higher profile local bands. Yeah. So first and foremost, like I never, I haven't focused. There's, there's probably the top, say, ten to fifteen artists in Manitoba right now. Manitoba's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy how many artists are doing so well right now. I hope a lot of people realize they're touring heavy they're releasing great music yeah i'm not focused on them i didn't reach out to them first and foremost uh you know like i feel like i could get anyone in here because i'm not asking much it's way easier than a whole band recording i think eventually i want to get all those artists the joey landreth of the world boy golden field guide begonia yeah like i want to get all of them del barber like of course i want to film them but i didn't i didn't reach out to them first and foremost i looked at maybe um, you know, maybe the second tier uh, down to the the inexperienced entirely. And I looked at uh, who has great potential, who mm-hmm. can who needs a video, who can utilize it the most, who has a cool story. And obviously, I have a responsibility too to be inclusive and try and get a, di- a diverse set of artists in here. Um, but when it came down to live at the Roslyn and this, honestly, I'm just fans of the bands and I'm fans of the artists and. Uh, I just reach out to the people I'm fans of, and a lot of them are fans of what I do, and they For reach sure. out to me as well. But I think it's like uh, I think that's really the way I categorize it. I'm just fans of them, and <laughs> I just I have the the artists I love, and uh, you know I, this isn't a job or anything like that. I'm not beholden to anyone or anything, and I don't feel like I don't want to record artists that I don't like. <laughs> so I think I just focus on the ones I love and the style of music I like. And everything. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I know which the is feeling. a really wide style. 
I know yeah. the feeling completely because I'm the same way too. I mean, I'm booking my own guests twice a week on this show, and yeah, it, it's not going to be someone I don't want to talk to who, <laughs> who I don't have anything to say about their their music. Yeah. Right? So yeah, it's uh, I love that about Manitoba that there's just so many people making cool music across like this wide, wide spectrum of genres that you can find people endless, endless supply of people doing cool shit. Yeah, and for me, it's like. I, I want to. I I would love to be able to film every single artist that reaches out to me. But I I kind of say to them, I'm like, some people that reach out to me, some people, hey, you reach out, definitely reach out. Like everybody, I always recommend reach out. Yes. The first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna follow you on social media, and I'm gonna see how hard are you trying, how much effort are you putting into to doing stuff. Post videos of yourself before I need to film you, because you got to do something. I get people reaching out that don't even have one video to show me of them performing. It's yeah. like start somewhere. Um, but yeah, I think uh, uh, you know there's such a diverse set of artists, and the list is my list. If I wrote down all the JD Edwards of the world and Kara Luft and Del Barber, like I mean, the list is humongous. It's at least a couple hundred artists. So sure. when I take away the top people that that don't need me as much and they're doing really well, I still want to film them and I'm still going to, I'm not cutting them out. But I look at that second tier and, and I'm like, wow, it's still a hundred people. Yeah. And I filmed 25. I have 10 more books. That's 35. Every single episode takes me, you know, five to seven hours of editing. Uh, it's a lot of work and I'm fully immersing myself like, many hours a day for a long time but i can't get to everyone and uh but if i leave it indefinite and i just keep filming if i film through the summer i don't have any expectations i don't have any rules on what i'm doing here yeah. so i think i just i keep filming until i i don't want to film anymore until i need to, to use this room for something again <laughs> maybe i need to pay the bills and i need a roommate or something like that yeah. no, i don't think that'll happen though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no that's awesome i think that's a good way to do it too is just to to keep it open-ended like that and just do it when you are passionate about it and, and what you're passionate about, I think is it's going to give you the best results rather than trying to yeah, fit totally. some kind of, uh, you know, predetermined, Oh, we need this band and this band. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Um, what do you think about, I know we kind of touched on this a bit at the beginning, talking about the pandemic and how everyone sort of shifted over to, to video. Um, what do you think about the way kind of the, uh, the atmosphere now? I mean, where, where so many people have learned, a lot of these things, not, not that they're your competition or anything like that, but just, I mean, as someone who, you know, was one of the first people doing this locally, what is it like to see everyone and their dog now having a camera and, and live streaming and, and figuring out how to do video? Like that's gotta be, um, not that they got the idea from you, but you know what I mean? It's gotta be kind of cool to see like all these people doing things that, that at the time you started barely anyone else was trying it was amazing. And honestly, it feels great. Like to me, it's just like, I don't take credit for it because anything I did, it's like, we got it from much music. All we totally, did is we yeah. put it on a platform. We just put it on social media as opposed to TV. Right. Like, and anyone who listens to any of my original interviews, I'm sure, including wish Leaf radio, I used to say to everyone in every video that everyone is going to copy this. I knew it. And I don't feel like they copied it. That's not the right word. No, but they got, but I knew yeah. I knew what we had, and I said everyone is going to start doing this. It was just we did it at the infancy of Facebook Live. Facebook Live was like literally within two months of its release or something like that when we started doing it. So I was just like, I, I saw it. I could see that this is just something that everyone is going to do. The thing about it is that the virtual concerts got oversaturated, no question, because yeah. of COVID. There was nothing else. I've always said I want to go there in person. 
that uh, you should be there in person. That's the best way to do it. Now, some people can't be there in person for a variety of reasons, but there's nothing like being there in person and seeing the band's lives. The, the thing about what we do and what doing it through a virtual concert does is it introduces people to these bands that have never heard of them. Once you hear about a band, then you go see them live. Then you buy their album. Then you buy their merch. Yep. So that's something that I, I've always been very conscious of. And that's why I, I wasn't very excited about virtual concerts seeing everyone else do them. I was super excited about it when it was only us doing it. <laughs> and then eventually I was just kind of like during COVID, I was just kind of like, meh, <laughs> I don't really, I don't want to do a virtual concert now. I didn't, I didn't want to. Yeah. Now it's like a, a good amount of time has went by and it's like, um, I, I talk to people every day who ask me about live at the Roslyn and they always bring it up and they, and they, they constantly tell me how, uh, helpful it was for them to find new bands, and I realized it does. It's not about the virtual concert aspect. It's about helping these bands. It's about helping fans find their next favorite band. Totally. And that's that's where I realized that that's great. And these young up and coming bands, uh, I could I could film another hundred full band. It's crazy when I look at it. We had another a fifth season of Live at the Roslyn of stacked bands. I thought we were going to run out after season one. I remember always saying, I was like, I don't know if we can do a second season. I don't know any other band. Yeah. And every band, now all of a sudden I know hundreds of bands. But yeah, I think um, the fact that virtual concerts got a little played out, um, you know, was more just a reflection of people wanting an end of the pandemic. But video, everyone wants video. Everyone's going to watch music videos on yeah. YouTube, right? And that's how I find my favorite music. In today's digital age, and previously I've always said that I'm embracing the evolution of music into the digital age. And that doesn't end. That's continuing. For sure. The question is very valid. How do you find your new music? And it's through digital means. So I'm super stoked to create something new in the vein of Live at the Roslyn. But it's not going to be the same thing. No. Um, and uh, it's going to be to a higher quality and it's going to suit a purpose. And I think everyone's going to love it. And how do people find it at this point? I mean, I know that at the time we're recording this, you've, you've just launched it. I mean, after you've been kind of posting these 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 uh, photos and clips and things of the interviews you've done and the, the live performances you've had. But now it's out there. It's beginning to, to, to roll out. So what's the best way people can track it down and, and check out what you're doing? So this content is exclusive to our YouTube channel at We Are The Village Idiots. Uh, where our YouTube, Facebook, and our Instagram handles are at We Are The Village Idiots. And so everything is just going to be, I'm, I'm kind of fostering our YouTube channel. Uh, I like how in YouTube, you kind of put stuff up there and it lives forever. That's where I go to find all my music videos. Yeah. I never search Facebook for music videos. I never search Instagram for music videos. So what I'm doing is I'm utilizing all three of those platforms and I'm putting the full form video on our YouTube channel. I'm posting uh, a minute just like a, a trailer to it on our Instagram channel. And I'm releasing three videos a week. So every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I've already released Curtis Newton, and he was the first one just uh, two days ago. Tonight, um, I'm putting up Isla Barker, and then in two days, it's going to be Show Pony. And, and then it's just going to go wild from here. It's going to be going on until about May. 
And uh, yeah, just go to our YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe. And if you click the bell or whatever it's called, then you'll get a notification every time I put one up. Cool. And all the old uh, Live of the Roslyn stuff is still there, right? Like that stuff still lives online. Yeah. So I, I went hard with that in the season around season three, I cut up every episode. I, I, every single song that every band did at the whole episodes. And I, I, YouTube has all of our content because again, I kind of realized on, on Facebook, it's like, once you do it, it's there still, you can go search it on our page. It gets buried though. It gets buried. I highly doubt people are going back to our page to watch old live at the Roslyn's, but they're so easy to find on YouTube. Awesome. And then if, if bands or artists are looking to, uh, like you said, you want people to reach out if they're interested in, in, in getting involved, uh, what's the best way to do that through, through social media? Yeah, just like follow me on Facebook. I do have a professional mode page for Facebook now, so anyone can follow me. I'm not going to typically add friend requests for people I don't know anymore because yeah. it just gets too flooded. I, I don't know all these people, and I'd rather not do that. So follow me on social media and never hesitate to reach out and just say, hey, how's it going? I, I'm so-and-so. And I have a video I'd like you to check out. I, I, I like watching videos of people and I like, you know, checking out songs and uh, and make a make a page yourself that I can follow. That's the easiest way for sure. Do you have, um, you know, because you've been doing this for, for, for as long as you have, you, you know how it works. You know that you're learning, especially since you've been doing this show, learning all the equipment, learning the ins and outs of how to how to how to shoot these properly, how to do the audio properly, how to put them online. What advice do you have for people who are maybe seeing this and want to start something of their own and, uh, you know, put together their own show, whether it's music or anything else? I would just say, do it. Just do it. Come up with a plan, have a pen and a paper, write out a plan. And then just stick to the plan. Don't focus on the results. Yeah, The results are, are a product of a plan. But you can't control results. Lower your expectation to the point where your success is defined as you doing it. Just literally do it. Put it out. Don't, don't worry about the results. Um, and utilize the resources. Like, you can just... Uh, anyone who ever reaches out to me, first off, I'll, I'll go through a whole diatribe of what you can do and how you can do it. I've always been happy to help people yeah. out. And I'm flattered anytime people reach out to me and they need help with that stuff. But I could definitely tell you that I am no expert whatsoever. I learn as I go. I didn't know what an XLR code record was before the first Live at the Roslyn episode. I didn't know the thing about holding a camera until COVID. Yeah. I never edited one video until COVID and, uh, and recording audio and all this technology and everything I'm doing. I just Googled it. I YouTubed it and I asked people that I know. So really it's very easy. Just use your resources, Google it. Every, there's a YouTube video for everything, but really what I recommend is lower your expectations and simply do it, do it. Yeah, I think that's that's the best advice for anything creative is just make the thing, make the thing you want to make and and learn it as you go and it'll obviously improve. I mean, like like we said earlier, I've been doing this for a million years and seven hundred and something episodes. And if you listen to the first one, it's terrible. And I have no idea what I was doing. And I, I like to think it's gotten better over the years. And that's just from experience, right? Just just from from figuring out what it is I wanted to do with the show. And same with same with you, obviously with this project too, is figuring out how you can stay involved in this crazy village idiots thing, even though, you know, these times have changed and you're not at the Roslyn anymore, but you, you know how this alternate way to, uh, to keep doing what you're doing. Totally. And I think like, uh, another thing that really helps is to, uh, create something and watch it 
over and over again. So be a creator, but then also be a fan and create content that you want to see as a fan. But also don't worry too much what other people think. Don't worry too much what other people say. Be different. Be quirky. Wear your freak flag on your shoulder. Like don't don't focus on what other people say and what other people do. And again, if you just take the um, expectations and just put them so freaking low, <laughs> and I mean, like, success isn't that hard to come by. And you're going to feel pretty damn good about creating something. But what I guarantee is going to happen is you're going to have some people enjoy it. You're going to create a little mini community around you. You're going to create a little bit of a team around you and you're going to grow it incrementally. Not everything needs to be viral. Not everything needs to be huge. Not everybody can be that can be huge in this world. And you don't need to be art. Shouldn't be. You shouldn't focus on that stuff with art. Art is just just creating it in the first place. And like I said earlier, I think business and money gets in the way of good art. And I think people just like, People talk about a lot of things and and they have a lot of ideas, but they never do anything about it. And I want to see your ideas. I'm always going to support people. I I, I don't see myself as a competitor with anyone except myself. So I'm only going to support you. I'm only going to tell you, great job. I'm not a critic. I have a lot of people always reaching out to me, trying to get me to critique their stuff. I ain't a critic. I'm just going to say, great job, and maybe help out the best I can if I can. 